are in this annual season we call legacy. And as soon as we, we near the holiday season, we get to the end of the year, we start evaluating kind of what we have done. We focus on what we have done and what we're doing. And during this time in our church, we focus on what we could do. You know, what, what could happen if we all decide to, to live our lives in a certain way and give our lives in a certain way? We call it legacy because I believe, we believe that God has hardwired every person on planet Earth to make a difference. That the most fulfilled life that you could possibly live is not a life where you accumulate more, get more, bigger homes, nicer offices, big boats, nice cars. That's not what really gives you satisfaction. What gives you satisfaction, the highest form of fulfillment, psychologists say that it's called transcendence. It's when my life now lives for more than just this life. It's making a difference with your life. It's doing something that leaves a legacy. And everybody leaves a legacy. We, we defined it simply as this. It's just what people remember when you're gone. And I want my grandkids to be happy about what they remember when I'm gone. Some of you, you look back over your family tree and you go, man, I wish that part of my tree wasn't in there. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I'm not talking about your in-laws. I'm talking about looking back in your life and go, man, you know, that could have gone a different way or because of that, this. When my grandkids are, are older, I want them to look back at my life and go, man, because of what he did, what a legacy. Not, not a legacy of stuff or homes or land or cars or money, none of that stuff, but he really made a difference in the world. Because of that, we can be proud of that. I don't want you to die, listen close, wondering what would have happened if you would have lived your life to the fullest. Like getting on your deathbed and wondering, man, what would have happened if I would have lived my life so that people would remember something about me that was life-changing, that I made a difference in the world? David says it like this in Psalms 112. He says, good will come to him who is generous and lends freely. He said there's two ways that good comes to you, people who are generous and then people who conduct their affairs with justice. In other words, how you give, that's generosity, and how you live, conducting your affairs with justice. That's what people are going to remember about your life. They're not going to remember your new house. They're not going to remember your new car. They're not going to remember the promotion you made. They're not going to remember your trophies or all that sort of stuff. They're going to remember how did he give his life, how did she give her life, and how did they live their life. That's real legacy. Surely, my favorite passage as it relates to this, he will never be shaken. And we said not, not too many weeks ago that it doesn't mean that the world is not shaking because honestly, we are in a shaking in our world. And you turn the news on. I'm a news junkie, so you turn the news on. Different channels, whatever you pick, and you go, man, this looks terrible. It looks like things are falling apart. And the whole world is shaking. But when you, when you learn this legacy life, when you learn how to live a legacy life where you're generous and you live in a certain way, then even though the world is shaken, listen close, you will not be shaken. Even though everything around you is shaking, you can live your life in such a way that you have your feet underneath you and you won't be shaken. And a righteous man, here it is, will be remembered forever. That's legacy. That's really what we are aiming for. I like to say it like this if you're taking notes. What we do for ourselves usually dies with us. My promotion, my corner office, my boats, my cars. If you leave that house and those cars to your kids, they're going to sell it on eBay. Come on, somebody. And they're going to buy something that you didn't want them to buy. It usually dies with me. Nobody really remembers my trophies. Nobody really remembers what I did. They don't remember the stuff that I've done for myself. But what you do for other people lives beyond us. That's legacy. What we do for ourselves usually dies for me, with me. 
But what I'll do for other people, that usually lives beyond this. That's what legacy is. It's where, it's where our life lives on beyond this world. It's the opportunity that we have. And listen, this is what we're doing at this season in our church, specifically today on Legacy Sunday. We're, we're renewing our vision to build God's house and say, God, how would it be if I gave more, if I did more, if I lived my life in, in a certain way, if I was generous with what I had, and I lived in a certain way that not just for myself, stuff that's going to die with me, but what if I could give in such a way? that it lives beyond this life. God has done some amazing things this year in our church. Honestly, he has. Just before service, our worship team was meeting. Ricardo was leading the team today. He said, man, I remember when we started this church, and, and, and they were part of the, most of the people in that room weren't there, but Ricardo and his family were there and on launch Sunday, and he said, man, I remember looking out, and, and the crowd at first service today was larger than the entire crowd we had in those first couple of months at, at Kendall Elementary School right next door. Look what God's done in a year. Just this year alone, we have more than doubled our weekend attendance, everybody. more than That's amazing. Yeah, give yourselves a hand for that. That's, look at what God's done. We've given away tens of thousands of dollars in local missions and around the world. We've helped plant churches. I mean, God's done amazing things through us, and we're just getting started. And listen, I don't feel like this is an obligation. I feel like I get to be a part of what God's doing. I hope you feel that way, everybody. I have two little babies and, and Brandy. This is a rare occasion, but she had to be at church today before me. I usually get here way before my family does, but I got here a little later today and she had to be here early. And so I had both kids. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. And if all the men in the room, if you've ever had, now she laid everything out for me. She had it all right for me. I woke up with her and she said, now here's their clothes and here's her clothes and here's how you do her hair and here's how you do all that. I forgot every bit of that, everybody. You hear me? So if you see my little boy today and he don't have pants on, it's not her fault. It's my, it's my fault. I don't know what I'm doing, everybody. But I tell you one thing that we do. We decided to do this when we had kids six years ago. We never tell our kids church is an obligation. When my kids get up on Sunday morning, I'm a morning person anyway, I jerk the curtains open. We turn on music real loud. And I don't say, kids, we got to go to Sunday school today. Don't forget, get up. Everybody, we got to go to church today. Come on, we're going to be late for the 11 o'clock. We're going to be late today. You got to get up. Everybody get up. We don't go to bed on Saturday night talking about, don't forget, we got church tomorrow, and he's going to call us if we're not there because we have a hassle-free guarantee until you get connected here and then I will hassle you down. You hear me? I'll come looking for you. And, 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 and we, we, don't, we just decided we had kids. We're never going to make church an obligation. Every morning, This morning when I get my kids up, I said, kids, we get to go to church today, everybody. It's Sunday. It's City Hills Day. And my little boy, I promise before God, he was dead asleep. He, he jumped straight up and he goes, Sunday school. Listen. Because I get to be a part of what God's doing here. I get to be a part of lives being transformed and people meeting Jesus for the first time. People coming to know God. People finding freedom from their past and their hang-ups. People really discovering their purpose and making a difference with their life. Man, I get to be a part of that. Do you feel that way, everybody? Shout amen to that if you do. I'm so glad that two or three of you do. Really, my plan for you today, my hope for you today, is that you realize that none of us are as good as all of us. That this church will never be built on the gifts and talents of a few, but it will be built on the sacrifice of everyone. That none of us are as good as all of us. That what we could do together is so much more. If everybody does a little, then together we get to do a lot. 
If everybody serves, if everybody gives, if if everybody does something, because none of us individually can accomplish what God's called us to do. But together, we can accomplish something great for God's kingdom. And we're doing a lot already. But during legacy, we ask ourselves, this one Sunday out of the year, should we be doing more? We go to God and go, God, what should we do more? Because listen, this church, the church that you're sitting in today, will always have more vision than we have resources. We'll always have more vision than we have resources. And here's what that means. That means we're never going to get to the point where we sit back and go, okay, finally. Now we got a nice building. Now we got a nice parking lot. Now we got nice chairs. Which, by the way, when we build a church, the chairs aren't going to be this nice because y'all sleep in these. Now we've arrived. Now we got 25 acres. Now everything's okay. No, no, no. Listen, we're never. We're always going to have more vision. The people that are in this room now, you're going to be in that when we get our first permanent location and we move in into our broadcast location. But then some of us are going to decide this is not enough because we're going to reach more communities. And some of you are going to choose to leave a permanent location so that we can plant another campus and another movie theater or another elementary school somewhere else. Why? Because we're always going to have more vision than we have resource. We're never going to go okay this is enough. Now we've arrived. As long as there's lost people, as long as anybody's going to hell in the hill country of San Antonio, we have more to do. Shout amen to that, everybody. We always have more vision than we have resource. So we go to God and go, God, what can we do? Here's three things I think you can do. If you're taking notes, write this down. The first one is we can pray. You say, man, that sounds so simple. No, it's not just so simple. It's actually they're one of the rare times when Jesus gives us a prayer request. If Jesus ever asks you to pray about something, I think you ought to pray about it. And rarely in the New Testament did he do that, but he did when it talked about lost people and the harvest. He said, Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful. That's not the problem. The problem is the workers are few. So ask the Lord of the harvest. Here's his prayer request. When you pray, ask God for workers. Ask God to send workers into his harvest field. I want you to pray for lost people to be saved. Every week at City Hills, my prayer has been for the last 70, 80 some odd weeks, however long our church has existed, I've said, God, this week, let somebody give their heart to Jesus. Let somebody say yes to Jesus. Let somebody repent of their sins and turn their heart to Jesus completely. I'm praying for revival in 21 days. Every day for 21 days when I'm laying on my face before God with you together, we're going to pray together. God, send a harvest. God, God, send workers into the harvest. God, send people to discover their purpose and make a difference in the lives of other people because as long as anybody's going to hell, there's more work to do. Say amen to that, everybody. we got to pray. We want to pray for our missionaries and local missions and church planters and national missions. And We pray for other churches in this city. I don't care where they go to heaven from. I just want people to go to heaven, everybody. If you don't like other churches or what, keep your opinion to yourself. Don't come to me going, Pastor, I don't know about them. What do you think about them? I tell you what I think. As long as they got Jesus' name forefront, we're on the same team, everybody. That's all I need to know, that we're reaching people who are lost. That's what we do. We pray for them. I pray for those pastors. I pray for those missionaries. I pray that people would find God and know Him fully. That's that's the first part of our vision is that people know God. I don't want you to know about God. I don't want you to know theology or doctrine. I want you to know God. Have a vibrant, life-giving, fulfilling, spirit-empowered relationship with God. A very, very living God. I want you to know God. I want you to find freedom from your past. Everybody's got a past and hang-ups and yesterdays. And I want you to settle those yesterdays. Get around a group of people who can pray for you and do life with you and encourage you and strengthen you and really find freedom from your 
past. And then, then the fun part happens. Then I want your eyes to be open. That's what's going to happen today at 1 o'clock at Growth Track. There are going to be people there who their eyes are open. Some of you need to go to Growth Track and discover your purpose and say, God, what did you put me on this earth for anyway? Oh, I know what it is. You put me on this earth so that I could make a difference in the lives of other people, so that I didn't just live my life for this life, but I gave my life for other people because what I get for me usually dies with me. But what I give for others usually lives on. And so pray. The first thing you can do is pray. The second thing you can do is give. We can give together. Proverbs 3 says it like this. Don't withhold good from those who deserve it when it's in your power to help them. If you can help your neighbor now, don't say, hey, listen, I'm going to do this later. I promise you next year I'm going to be generous. Come back tomorrow, then I'll help you. He said, no, no, no. If it's in your power, do that today. And we're going to do that. Matter of fact, today when we give in this legacy offer, we're going to do that in three areas. We call them our legacy lanes. The first one is our home. We're going to invest right here. We're going to upgrade everything that you see here. We're going to upgrade in better technology and better audio and visual and lighting and video so you can share this message around the world uh, with your friends or neighbors or coworkers. And we're going to invest in our kids' ministry, everybody. We're going to, we're going to invest in raising up world changers. Come on. C- City Hills Kids is not a babysitting service. If you think that's what that is, you have that sorely mistaken. We are a factor. We're like West Point, everybody. I want to raise world changers changing, nation-shaking leaders, everybody. Shout amen to that. Like, that's what God's call in our life is. I really, I told somebody the other day, I met with one of our dream teamers, and I really, I told him what I, I really felt like God had given me, that one of my life callings is to raise a generation of leaders, that I'm not just called to be the only one leading, I'm called to raise up leaders. That's why. In January, I'm announcing today, it's the first time our church has heard about it, but I'm telling you, and I told first service, I'm going to lead a 13-week internship for young adults that feel God's calling in their life in ministry. If you feel like God's called you to ministry or called you to more, you don't even know, you just think maybe that that's something in your future. I want to help you with that. I want to bring in leaders and pastors and worship leaders and, 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 and business owners and people who can pour leadership into you. Why? Because I don't just want it to be about us. I want it to be about raising a generation. Nothing would make my life more fulfilled if we don't reach tens of thousands, even though I think we will, if we don't reach hundreds of thousands here at City Hills, if we can raise up leaders who leave this house and reach millions of people around the world, that's fulfillment, everybody. When you give, you give to that. Then then we not only our house here, not only our home right here and building for a future location, building for a permanent location, I, I, I want you to, I want us to be ready. It's the way I always said. You ever, you ever felt like you had an opportunity that came to you and you just couldn't say yes? And you look back on that opportunity and you go, man, I wish I would have been in a position to say yes to that. You ever look a business opportunity, an investment come along, somebody said, hey, man, if you got it, this would be an open door, and you just couldn't say yes. You look back on your life and you think, man, what would have been different had I said yes to that? I don't want our church to be that way. And in full disclosure, let me be honest with you. We, we, we have a couple of opportunities we're vetting for a building or for land or whatever, but we, don't, we haven't landed on anything. We, we really haven't. God hasn't given us clearance for any direction. But when he does, when the door opens, I want us to be in a position to say yes to the opportunity. And so we're going to take a percentage of this legacy offering, and we're going to set it aside, and we're going to say, okay, God, when you open the door, we're going to say yes. We're going to be willing to walk through that door and, and, and move into our first permanent facility. Won't that be a day, everybody? Aren't you excited about that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't clap too much because I'm going to get some of y'all to open the next campus with us. We'll be portable again. 
not just our house, but our backyard. Our second legacy lane is our backyard, what we call our backyard. That's local missions. That's partnering with organizations who are already doing good in Jesus' name. Listen close. There's nothing wrong with organizations who do good for other people, who give, who serve the poor, who feed the hungry. I believe in all of that. But listen, my personal opinion is you stop short when you don't do it in Jesus' name. What good is it if I've fed you and I haven't told you where real the bread of life comes from, everybody? And so we, we decided when we started this church, hey, listen, we're not just going to, to compete with other missioners organizations. We're not going to open up our own ministry to feed the hungry or to clothe those who are naked or, 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 or to go into prisons. We're not, not going to open up our own ministry to do that when there's already active ministries on the ground who we have vetted, who are, who are, who are uh, you know, upstanding and who are, uh, who are people of integrity that are doing that in Jesus' name. Here's what we said. We'll come alongside you and we'll provide you money and manpower and we'll help you do what God's called you to do. And so when you give in the legacy offering, you give, to, uh, you give the opportunity for us to stand with these missions organizations like Hill Country Daily Bread and Kendall County, Kendall County Women's Shelter and San Antonio Food Bank and Taking It to the Streets and Loaves and Fishes and so many different organizations here in San Antonio that are already doing what it is God's called us to do. And then finally, when you give, our third legacy lane is our world. And that's giving to missions and strategic missions partners around the world in places like Manila in the Philippines, and Ima's Home for Children, who right now has a little over 70 children, and they're opening up a new wing to double their capacity. By this time next year, they'll have 150 children, orphans, street children, off of the streets of Manila. I'm not telling you somebody that a mother drops this baby off at a hospital somewhere. I'm telling you that the director of this ministry literally walks the street of Manila, and you'll find two- and three- and four-year-old children that are just abandoned living on the streets. And, and, and they'll take their whole families. They try their best to keep siblings together and bring them in and serve them. We're, we're going we're gonna to invest in strategic partners that are translating the Bible into languages that don't have the, the Bible in their language or into tribes or into villages or into people groups that don't have a Bible in their language. We're going to invest in places that are carrying the gospel in, in what's called the 1040 window or that, but between the 10th parallel and the 40th parallel it is right in the middle of the globe and and. Most of the world's population lives in that, two-thirds of the world's population lives in that 1040 window, and most of the unchurched people on planet Earth live in that 1040 window. Almost all of terrorism in the world comes out of that 1040 window. It's, it's just a, it, there, There's an opportunity right there to reach people who are unreached with the gospel. We're going to go into those areas because I think it's God's calling in our life. Listen, if we, if we just hoard up and keep it all for ourselves, what have we really done if we've got it all and we haven't given it away? And so we're going to give. We're going to give to our missions partners around the world and church plants around America. You say, well, how do we do that? How, how do, how, man, I'm praying and giving, I get all that. Here's the last thing that we can do together. We can just go. We can be a part of this. Romans 10, 15 says, how can anyone, how can anyone preach unless they're sent? In other words, we're going to have to put our, our money where our mouth is. As it's written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring the good news. One way you can go is I had a conversation just this past week planning our 2018 short-term mission trip. How many of you would like to go on a mission trip next year, everybody? Wouldn't that be an amazing time together to serve together? Listen, don't just think about a missions trip, about going to a third-world country. We're going to do that together by the help of the Lord. We're, we're working very hard to put that together. But I want you to go on a missions trip to your office and to your neighborhood and to your family and to your coworkers. 
and to your neighbors that are around you. That's that go portion that says, okay, God, I'm going to pray about the harvest. I'm going to give so that we can reach people, and I'm going to go. I'm going to do my part. I'm going to bring people to church. I'm going to invite the lost. I'm going to share the good news. I'm going to go get them. You say, well, how do I do all this? Like, okay, I get all that. What are we going to do to really live a legacy life? Let me give you four things, and then and then we're going to give together and pray. Here's the first thing. If you want to live a legacy life, take take notes. It's going to take faith. It takes faith to live a legacy life. And if we're people of legacy, listen, if we're people who decide, man, I want my life to mean more than just this life, I want it to outlive me, then we're going to have to see something that nobody else sees. We're going to have to see with our faith eyes. John 4 says, I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe with harvest. It's not that the world isn't ready for this. Most people say, ah, people don't want to hear that. That's not true. The Bible says that that the harvest is ripe. Listen, that's not the problem. Just open your eyes. you got to see what somebody else cannot see. you got to be able to see what God is building. I love how the message paraphrase talks about Ephesians. It says, God is building a home. And he's using us all, not just the preachers, not just the people on the stage. He's using everybody in this church, irrespective of how we got here, in what he's building. He used the apostles and the prophets to build the foundation, but now he is using you, fitting you in brick by brick and stone by stone with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all of our parts together. Listen. And with our faith eyes, listen close, you look around, all you see is a movie theater. All you see is a few hundred people who call City Hills home in about a year's time. But with our faith eyes, we see it taking shape day after day. A holy temple that's being built by God. Listen close. And all of us are built into it. A temple in which God is quite at home. I love that last line. I don't just want to go to a church where it's about insiders, where everybody's like me, where we just it's just a holy huddle together. No, 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 this is not a holy huddle. Everybody, this is a hospital. This is where we bring people who are broken. This is where God is building all of us together and is building a place, listen close, where God is quite at home. I want to go to a church where I can feel the presence of God like He's at home, everybody. Maybe you've been to a church like like this, don't raise your hand if you have, where you walk in and, man, the preaching's good, the music's good, the building's nice, everything looks good, but you just don't feel the presence of God. You just There's just something missing. I don't know what it is. I talked to somebody the other day. He said, I don't know how to tell you except it was sad. That's literally what he said. He said, I don't know what it was. There was just sadness there. Just, I just didn't feel the presence of God. I don't want that to be about this church. I want this church to be a home where God feels quite at home, where the presence of God is, where people can come in and go, man, I don't even know what it is I feel, but there's something different I feel here. Shout amen to that, everybody. I got to preach harder to 11 o'clock because y'all slept in and 9.30 preached me down. Y'all, everybody shout amen. There you go. I'm going to make some of them come sit in here with y'all. you got to see something nobody else sees. Pastor Brian Houston, the global senior pastor, the founding pastor of Hillsong Church. How many of you have ever heard of Hillsong Church in Sydney, Australia? Quite possibly the most influential global church, at least in, in, in our lifetime, in, in decades. And they have campuses literally around the world and worship music that's changed. He wrote something about 32, 33 years ago. Before Hillsong Church is what it is. As a matter of fact, I heard him tell a story uh, one time about when they started Hillsong Church. It was so small. It was so small that they were renting this little, this little hall, this little place, that the janitor overslept one Sunday that was supposed to open the doors for them to get in and load in because they were portable. Hillsong Church was portable, by the way. 
and, and they couldn't get in. The janitor overslept that day, and there, there was before cell phones. Nobody could get him on the phone. And so literally they broke into a window, opened a window up, and everybody who came to church that day had to sneak in through this window, and they had church inside there. Hillsong Church. The, the Hillsong Church that wrote the songs that we sing up here. That, that, that church, what, how do you get from there to here? Let me tell you how. With your faith eyes, you see something that nobody else sees. He wrote something about 33 years ago before the church was what it is today called The Church I See. And I've adapted that for us. Let me just read it to you. Here, here's kind of the church that I see. I see a church that's so attractive and so refreshing that the buildings struggle to contain the increase. I see a church where people have found a relationship with God instead of their religion, where living for God is no longer an obligation, but it's a heartfelt desire. I see a church where people are continually taking steps in their spiritual journey with the goal of reaching new heights in every part of their lives. I see a church full of people who are growing in God and discovering that God wants them to make a difference with their life where every person is experiencing the kind of fulfillment that only God can give you. I see a church that uses that, that, where God is using ordinary people, people like you and I, dream teamers, small group leaders, our church staff, serving the people of our city so that in turn the people of our city would open their hearts to God. I see a church that's so compassionate that people are drawn from impossible situations into a loving and a friendly circle of hope where there's safety, where they can find answers, and where they can find acceptance. The church I see is a church that's so committed to raising and training and empowering a leadership generation of young people, of church planters, of missionaries, of pastors who will go from this place and change the whole world. I see a church that never stop searching for lost people because God never stops searching for me. I see a church and a people that are so kingdom minded that they will count whatever the cost and pay whatever the price to see revival sweep our city and our land. The church I see, listen, realizes that none of this can happen on our own. Instead I see a church that is so committed to prayer and so committed to the dependence that we have on the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God. I see a church where Jesus is most famous and God is the only one who gets the glory. You look around, you say, man, this looks like a movie theater. Yeah, but you don't see what I see with my faith eyes. If you're going to live a legacy life, you're going to have to see something nobody else sees. We're going to have to have faith. The second thing it takes after faith is sacrifice. Listen close. As legacy people, we choose sacrifice over convenience every day. We choose the hard things over the easy things. We choose to set aside something we love for something we love more or something I want for something that I want more. That's sacrifice. And as legacy people, we choose it. First Peter says this, like living stones, you are being built into a spiritual house. That's us. To be a holy priesthood, that's what I want to be a part of, that offers spiritual sacrifices that are acceptable to God. We don't sacrifice goats and lambs and, and doves anymore. But listen, it's going to take sacrifice on our part if we're going to really change the world together. We're not going to get there the easy way. It's not going to be the convenience way. We're going to set aside our convenience, the convenience we have of sleeping in on Sunday morning so that we can get up early and build a church where people can experience the presence of God. Set aside our convenience of just, I'm not going there. I'm not going to be in a group. I don't want to serve. I don't want to do it. No, no, no. I'm going to set all that aside. I don't want to give. No, no, no. I'm going to live my life in a way that is sacrificial so that I can change the world. 
I'm going to set aside something that I want. I'm going to look at people different. I'm going to make a decision to do what's right. The best illustration of that in the Bible is the story of the Good Samaritan. You've heard that. Let me read it to you and give you some illustration. Luke, the 10th chapter, talks about it like this, that there was once a man who was traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho, and on the way he was attacked by robbers. He probably lived on the, on the east side. Anyway, whatever. And so they took his clothes, and they beat him up, and they went off and they left him half dead. And luckily, or you would think there would be, this, is, this luck would have it, that a priest was on his way down the same road. But when he saw him, listen, he angled across the other side. Have you ever met religious people who just decided to angle on the other side? They see what's going on, they just don't want to help because he's not like me, because he don't have the same skin color I have, because he's not a Republican, because he didn't vote like I did, because we didn't come from the same side of the tracks. I'm preaching to some of y'all right now. And we angle to the other side of the road. We know that we could do more, but I don't know if I want to get messy. So the priest angles to the other side of the road, and then he just keeps going. Then a Levite comes. This is even more religious man shows up. Every, okay, now finally we got some help. But he just avoided the injured man altogether. Just I don't know what problem you're talking about. I don't know. There are no problems. Everything's good. Everybody in my neighborhood's safe. Everybody where I live's got food to eat. All, all of the kids in my neighborhood goes to good schools, or everything's fine. I don't, we've all got to buy. I don't see the problem. And they just avoid the situation. Then. A Samaritan was traveling on the same road, and he came to him. And when he saw the man's condition, his heart went out to him. You say, Pastor, why do you preach so passionately like this? Listen, honestly, the reason I do is because I want you to have this moment every day that you're here where your heart goes out, where your heart's open to, okay, God, what are you saying to me? And his heart goes out to him, and he gave him first aid. Just in case you're religious here today and you're looking around at, at people and you're going, man, what, all these people, they don't have it all together. Look at that. I know some of their situations. Listen close. This church is not just a holy huddle of, uh, of people who have it all together. This is a place where you can get first aid, everybody. This is a place where you don't have to have it all together to come to church. Matter of fact, you can come here hurting and broken and messed up. This is a hospital, everybody. This is where we're doing triage and giving people first aid and disinfecting them and bandaging their wounds. Can we talk about why he had a first aid kit? Anyway, we'll talk about that later. And then he lifted him onto his donkey. This is the vision of our church, by the way. Sunday services is where we offer first aid. And then if you'll get in a group, it'll lift your life up. It'll lift you up. And so he lifted him on his donkey and he led him to an inn. And he made him comfortable there. And in the morning, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. And he said... Take good care of him, and if it costs any more than that, put that money on my bill, and I'll pay you on my way back. And Jesus is telling the story, and he says, What do you think? Which of the three became a neighbor to this man who was attacked by the robbers? The one who treated him kindly, the religious scholar said. And Jesus said, Listen, here's the key to unlocking legacy in your life. Go and do the same. I love the way Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. said it. He said it like this, that if you're the priest and the Levite, they, they, they ask this question, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? 
This is how most religious people live their lives. If I give more, what happens to me? If I start serving, what happens to me? If I'm generous, what will happen to me? What about my stuff? What about my, I don't know, what will happen to me? And Dr. Martin Luther King, I love how he said this. The difference in the priest and the Levite and the Good Samaritan is the Good Samaritan asks, if I don't stop to help this man, what will happen to him? If I don't stop to help them, listen, my brothers and sisters, look at me in the eye. If we don't do it, who else will? If we don't reach people who don't have a Bible yet, who else is going to tell them? If we don't send money to a little missionary who's trying his best to reach the Chinese in an underground church gathered around a Bible by candlelight, if we don't resource him and give him money and give him finances and give him help and give him a Bible, who else is going? What happens to them? What happens to the little North Korean child who's born in a regime that tells them there is no God if we don't smuggle Bibles and missionaries across the border and tell them, hey, there's freedom beyond these walls. I know it doesn't look like you're ever going to get out of here, but there's a life beyond here that you've got to live for. And Jesus, what happens to them? Listen, at some point in our lives, look at my eyes. People who have a lot like us, people who are blessed like us, people who have been given much like us, we have to start thinking what happens to me and start asking, if I don't do this, what happens to them? What happens to them? What, 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 like how are they going to know? And it's going to take sacrifice. Here's the third thing, and I'm hurrying. It takes generosity. It's going to take generosity. And as legacy people, we just give generously. That's what we do. We are generous people. They share freely and give generously to those in needs, and their good deeds will be remembered. There's legacy forever. And they will have influence and honor. I'm not talking about tithing. Tithing belongs to the Lord. The Bible said the tithe is the Lord's. That's what it calls it. It's God's money. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about living a generous life. I'm talking about it more than that. I'm talking about living generously. I talked to... John, wave your hand at everybody. John, right here. John Miller, wave your hand at everybody. Everybody see him down here? John's on our dream team, serves amazingly. He told me the other day, he's, as a matter of fact, he and his wife, Chris, helped build the float we did in the, in the Christmas parade. They're just amazing people, and God's call on his life is personal evangelism. And he told me the other day, he said, I have a stack of 20s in my car. By the way, y'all don't rob him. Come on. I'm sorry, I shouldn't have told everybody that, John. Our officer will <laughs> escort you out today. I said, why do, you, why do you keep a stack of 20s in your car? He said, every time, I, every time I see a homeless person on the street, I give them $20. I said, a dollar? No, 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 I give them a 20. Why? Because I want to be remembered forever. I don't care if that guy knows my name. I just want him to know Jesus loves him. Like, I want to live a legacy of generosity. Giving is like sowing a seed. When something leaves your hand, it doesn't necessarily leave your life. For instance, if I had a basket of apples, come on, Henry, come play for me. That way they think I'm closing. If I had a basket of apples and I gave you my apples, one apple, two apples, three apples, four apples, and if you looked in my basket, it would look like I had less apples. Does everybody agree with that? Shake your head this way. The difference is if you take those apples and you open them up and you take those apple seeds out and you plant them and they become apple trees and they bear more fruit and you bring back baskets of apples. Now what I gave you, I didn't lose. 
I gained in my harvest. Listen close. When you are generous, when you give beyond your tithe, when you give above and beyond in generosity, that's why we do this one time a year. When you do that at the end of the year and you say, okay, God, I'm going to be generous with God's house. When you do that, it may leave your hand, but it will not leave your life because what I give is not gone. What I give for eternity is not gone. It lives on in the seeds that I plant. And it has a way of coming back. Here's the fourth thing and the last thing. If we're going to live a legacy life, it's going to take urgency. And so we just do it today. We don't put off tomorrow what I could do today. Ephesians says, be careful then how you live your life. Not as unwise, but as wise. How do I live a wise life? Well, you make the most of every opportunity you can because these days are getting worse and worse. Every homeless person you pass by, every Sunday counts. Every day counts. Tomorrow it counts when you go to your office. Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday when you're talking to a neighbor and you're inviting them to church and you're sharing your faith, when you're inviting them to Christmas Eve with you, Every day, i got to make the most of every opportunity I have. I, it takes urgency to the, that's why we do this today. That's why I'm preaching this today, because I'm going to ask you to do it today. Because the truth of the matter is we have a tendency to over-exaggerate our yesterdays. You ever met somebody that talks about their past life like, man, I was, in high school I was in football, and, I was, and you look at him going, brother, you couldn't bend over and pick up a football. You know what I'm saying? Anybody know what I'm talking about? We have a tendency to over-exaggerate our yesterday. But not just our, our successes, we over-exaggerate our failures. We disqualify ourselves from being used by God because we over-exaggerate. Well, you don't know where I come from. You don't know how bad I was. You don't know my history. And, and then we over-exaggerate our yesterdays. Then we, we have a tendency to overestimate our tomorrows. Oh, I'll do this tomorrow. I'll be generous tomorrow. Next Christmas, I'm going to be ready for this. Next Legacy Sunday, I'm going to be ready. I'm going to give generously. I'm going to do it tomorrow. We tend to overestimate the time we have left. And we tend to underestimate. We undervalue the urgency of today. I'm just saying, okay, God, what if today... I live my life as if this is the day that will be remembered. What if this is the day my grandkids talk about? The day we changed the world together. The day I gave sacrificially. Brandy and I have been praying for weeks like I hope that you have. I said, okay, God, what do you want us to do? If this is the only day that my grandkids had to look at my life, did I live today like this is the day that would be remembered? I got up early, came to church, served today, and I gave today generously with God's house. I want my kids to remember. We don't just accumulate all this. God hasn't given us all this just for us. No, no, no. God gave us all this so we can make a difference for somebody else. Stand up all over the house. Nobody moving for the next two minutes. Everybody standing. I'm going to ask you to do two simple things. Everybody look at me and listen very closely because I've never asked you for a special offering. It's the first time you've ever done And I'm not asking you for anything we need. We don't need anything. I'm just giving you an opportunity. We could do more with you. So I'm going to ask you to do two simple things. Look at my eyes that I've always asked you to do as it regards to money. 
I've never asked you to do anything other than these two things. Pray, ask God what he wants you to do, and obey. Just do it. Pray, ask God, God, what would you have me to do today? And whatever he tells you, obey. Thank you.